tuned into the Ladies of Culture, the podcast. It's Love of Culture! Okay, <laughs> we made it. All right, it's time for another Club of Culture. Uh, Bitch, can we introduce ourselves? Hello. Yeah. I'm Stacy. <laughs> and we're going to toss it over to Caroline. Hi. <laughs> here for her second recording of COC. How are you doing? Month number two. Doing good. Number two, baby doing girl. Good. You're not getting out of it that easy. No. Uh-uh. Well, we've already started planning month number three. That's right. So, yeah, no, yeah. it's good. Good times. Now? Sure. Hi, it's Alessa. <laughs> Thanks for all the detail. Yeah. That's great. Hi, it's Michelle here. How y'all doing? And live by a scat escape. Hey. Uh, it's Sasha. Yay. All the way live from Orlando. <laughs> from Orlando. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So this club of culture, we ended up going to a play or a performance piece as part of Toronto's Fringe Festival. Now which... I heard you change your mind when you said play or performance piece. Interesting. Can I do like a gentle cut in? Yeah. We never explain what the hell Sasha is doing in Florida. No, and we really should because it's incredible. incredible. Talk to us, Sasha. Tell us why you left the big smoke. Are we still recording? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Um, Why did I leave? I left for a job, guys. So I'm no longer living in Toronto, but I will be patching in from here. Every time you guys get a chance to record, or any time you can have me, I hope to stay in touch. Definitely. Excellent. And her job is pretty crappy. Like, just as far as jobs. Like, it's kind of boring. <laughs> she left town for, like, this it's really... It's pretty crappy out here. You know what I mean? Like, can you just tell the folks what you have to do all day? Like, it's rough. Like, it just... It's hard. Well, I started working for Universal Studios, and, um... I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, that's pretty much it. I really can't tell you much because everything's under NDA. But um, so it's a top secret job. It's it's just really fun. It yeah, I get to ride around and explore different places and spaces. And, um, people are really cool here. They're paying me American dollars. So yes, <laughs> USD. Amazing. Amazing. Okay, great. So now it's not this weird. Uh, I should I shouldn't say elephant. What is it in the room? Like a cute little squirrel in the room? Cute little squirrel. Or just not awkward because nobody knew what was going on. <laughs> we never explained that. Uh, totally. But there it is, guys. That's what it is. Boom! We did it. Um. So, uh, what we ended up doing was going to see, um, a performance piece, uh, called Thousand Beginnings. Uh, starring, uh, well, or starring and developed by Jules Krauss, uh, Gulce Oral, and uh, directed and, and also created by uh, Margaret Maria Legere. And it's the inaugural piece uh, from an arts collective called Under the Umbrella Collective. It was staged at St. Vladimir's Institute, which is a Ukrainian community center and cultural institute, which includes theater, a library, a museum, and even student residences. And as I said, it was all part of the 2018 Fringe Festival. So the performance began with uh, Jules and uh, Gulche. I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name right. Um, I think you are. Yeah? I feel like I remember her saying Gulche. Okay. Uh, Well, acknowledging the ancestral land of the indigenous peoples uh, that we were uh, on. And then... Um, introduced their own backgrounds, Jules being from Germany and Gulce from Turkey. And then uh, they just launched into their performance. Basically, the two characters start out acting like children, essentially, and play with each other by rolling out cheap, scratchy, highly absorbent industrial <laughs> rolls of, <laughs> uh, what do you, I called it serviette paper, like whatever, that roll yeah, of... It's like the paper towel you paper find towel. in, like, public washrooms. That can literally sop up anything, blood, vomit, water, what you yeah. name it, it's got it handled. Dude, yes. so the stage became filled with the brown waves of paper, and that became uh, the visually stunning, transformative set piece, because the performance was very physical, with the actresses jumping and falling and moving in and out of the paper. And then, I'm doing air quotes here, the script consisted mm-hmm. of a lot of different things, well-known cliches and observations to do with womanhood, femininity, uh, cartoonish sounds, it ran the gamut. 
And the reason why I called it a performance piece and not a play is because I don't have a lot of experience with live theater. And for me, a play has more of a narrative structure. Mm -hmm. um, that might be a misnomer, but it struck me as a performance piece because of the way that uh, it, it told the story, but more by impressions, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you guys think? So I actually um, have a question about for all of you about what you think the name represents. So Thousand Beginnings. Mm. Well, Oof. <laughs> can I get to Aleza's question first about this performance art piece? And yeah. I think that will tie into yeah. maybe where we're heading with your question. Yeah. So I agree. I thought it was more performance art movement, some dance, some thought, some kind of squeals at certain moments. Definitely more of like a stream of consciousness type of feel between two young women. But I thought the... What's the title again? A Thousand Beginnings. It made a lot of sense to me that it was A Thousand Beginnings because in, from my perspective, they just kind of kept on touching on different ways in which through adolescence and childhood, you have different thoughts that pop up. And then as you move into perhaps womanhood or wherever you are in your adult life, you also find yourself kind of still battling with who am I, what am I doing, but you're taking on, you've taken on, of course, more adult responsibility. Mm -hmm. So they took that really, you know, kind of generic, you don't even think twice about it, roll of brown paper towel, and then just ran amok with it as children would do and made it something fun and alive. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. the brown paper towel came to life and was yeah. a character on the freaking stage to the point where I was like, I was at certain points not even listening to what they were saying. I was looking at what the brown paper yeah. towel was doing. Yeah. So I thought that the thousand beginnings is the kind of the way young people and children kind of come to them, come into themselves over and over and over mm -hmm. again in mm -hmm. different scenarios, and then you keep doing it mm -hmm. as the child in you grows into being an adult. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's almost like a rebirth at every stage, and you have so many mm -hmm. stages of your life as you're coming from a child into a. You even say you have a thousand beginnings. A, you do have a thousand beginnings. <laughs> <laughs> you're such a. Fucking cornball. You're all week, folks. Put a shit. No, but I think I think that that's why it was called that. I yeah. think that yeah. No, totally, yeah. totally. Yes, I agree. So, how do we feel about it? I was. Um, it left a really great impression. There are a couple of things. First, I'm always amazed when I see live performances. Um, we sat in the front row. Mm. And oh, did we ever? Did so, we ever. which we shouldn't really do because I was like, hanging uh, <laughs> my neck the whole time. But um, at one point, like the, the actresses, they come right to the edge of the stage, and it was such an intimate space that you yourself, like, almost feel like I don't know. I want to say vulnerable, even though you're just sitting there watching. Mm. Um, and so it's it's a very kind of visceral, like it's live. Mm. It's um, and they're running around barefoot in like these gray dresses, um, and then saying these things that are uh, some things I'm like, haha, I've heard that before, and some really mm -hmm. uh, touched on things that um, maybe I've been thinking about, or mm -hmm. it was really um, interesting. So because I don't, I don't get out much. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know necessarily how to consider these types of performances. I was deeply affected, but. Um, like, I'm not one to be like, and the, I thought the lighting with the design was great. I mean, I, I'm not a, a proper critic of, of live performances. But what's I proper? You I was going to say, it's all about how you feel. Yeah. And you're an artist. I was actually really curious to hear your perspective since as a profession, as part of what you do for a living, as part of your vocation of life, the things you love, you are on stage. Yeah. So I feel like all live performance has a lot of raw emotion and having to give of yourself to the audience what you think is good. And so whether or not they interpret that as good is obviously very um, personal. But some people really love it. Some people are confused by it. To me, it felt uh, like new. Like they themselves were still figuring themselves out as artists. And they were non-Canadians, non-North Americans, spitting back at a North American audience, uh, sayings, nuances, and things that yeah. they have interpreted and heard us say in a very Canadian accent, which I thought was really interesting because they started the performance talking about who they actually were. Yeah. That was different. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, all right, so this is you then interpreting what you're seeing in this new culture and environment because they are both re relatively new to moving here, mm -hmm. right. which I thought was very interesting. So I didn't quite know what you wanted to call the performance because I was like, okay, we'll use this observational even, but you're doing it as a duo in, in this performance. Well, there were so many different, I'll, I'll call them scenes too, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And some scenes... Um, I I didn't connect with as much as some other ones. One mm -hmm. that I connected with a lot 
was when um, uh, one character was holding the dude. I was yeah, literally was about to speak about that. The the other character, yep. the other character was like, "You're so," and then the audience laughed, like, "You're so," whatever. And she made she rolled her eyes, and then she's like, "You're so," and then started emoting like mm. so this so that and by the end it was almost like a really passionate like you're so like um it was it was passionate in the sense like you're so sexy was the the vibe i got mm. but then by the end it was almost antagonistic like you're so like it went through so many emotions mm-hmm. and i was like oh my god that it was wonderful I yeah. Which one were For you going to talk about? Was I was talking. Or? I was talking about the time when. Um, so obviously we have like they had like five rolls of paper. I'm uh, mm-hmm. sorry, of serviette unrolled at that point. And when one of the girls was packing it onto the other girl's back, she's like, mm-hmm. and then at, yeah, yeah. And then at one point, she literally just had a pile mm-hmm. of like seven feet high, the, yeah. like seven feet high of serviettes on her back, and so it was like an actual representation of the burdens that we mm-hmm. carry every mm-hmm. single day. And that one, I was like, huh. I've never seen it done like that. I've never thought of burden as a physical thing. Yeah. So I actually, just to build on that, and this wasn't a scene, it was more of just like a feeling from the from the whole show, but they were running around yes. a lot. Yes. Like it was very a physical. very physical show. Mm. And I felt exhausted watching their physical exhaustion. Mm. And I think that was a really nice um, way to convey how exhausting it was to carry these burdens in mm. all of these different parts of your life, phases of your life. It's so, I always love hearing all your different perspectives. They're so insightful and wise and things that I totally fucking missed. I was, <laughs> I was, I was like, yeah, that was true. It was um, but at one point, there was one character who was piling everything on top of her own head and telling herself, mm. no, I've got it, I've got it, it's fine, yes. I've got this. And I'm like, I think we all kind of resonated with the different parts of what maybe that burden may feel like was for you at that moment. What you might be experiencing. I was late as fuck. Sorry. But I was late as fuck. <laughs> and it's because I was just running around doing the most, trying to be everywhere. And then I got there and she did that. And I was like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And no, I don't got this. And that's why I almost missed the whole goddamn play. <laughs> Dude, I was stressed. No, I could see. I was standing I at the door feel, with your ticket. I could feel the energy of their like, where the fuck are you? The whole walk up. Like, I'm done. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know about the Fringe Festival in Toronto, but start to know about it because it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. But because there's such small, intimate venues, mm-hmm. there's no intermission. Mm-hmm. And once the show starts, that's a wrap. That's there's no entry. There's no nothing. Like, and there's if no you exit. leave to go to the bathroom, that's you're it. not allowed to go back in. So, oh, that's right. yeah, you have to go in there ready to sit ready down to sit and down. enjoy. Yeah. I actually missed a show at the Fringe because we got there late. It was a show two years ago. Oh, wow. And then, yeah. luckily, they honored our tickets and let us come the next day. Oh, okay. wow. Which was really good of them, because we were really disappointed. It was actually a Jasmine show. Mm. I mean, she was in the Mix Mix Collective. That was, yeah. So good. Anyhow. She's done some things. She's yeah, she's done So, yeah. The, the one scene that, I shouldn't say I didn't like it, but didn't resonate with me, is when they were both speaking in their own native tongue. Yeah. And they were speaking back and forth. And because they're actual, the physical, like, I feel like we identify with a lot of the show because of the physicality. And there was one point when it was like a, a solid five to six minutes mm-hmm. long. It was long. Yeah. Where they were having a conversation with each other, each in their own native tongue. So in German and Tur- Turkish is a language. Please. Yeah. Jesus, okay. I don't want to sound like a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. Safe place. Safe place. Be- Jesus. Yes. <laughs> because they weren't being as physical, mm. I... You had no idea what they were speaking about. Yes, well, and that, so and I feel like I just missed to what they it. Were saying, they had the same re- like the same reaction mm-hmm. over and over, like, "Oh yeah, well, you know." That that seemed to be what the reaction was, but it never went anywhere. It was not nobody got mad. Nobody was like, "That's hilarious." No, like, it was just this conversation that was like almost like a loop, and it didn't go so anywhere. So does it mean that like, is it like a like a? We all have the same experiences. We don't even have to speak the same language to identify with each other. Is that what they were trying to prove? Like, I just don't know what they were trying to get at. So I actually have a different opinion of it. Again, perspective. Tell us. But um, I actually read... I I, I can't say it was my favorite scene of the whole thing, but I actually did really enjoy it. Granted, I do speak basic, basic, basic German, Mm -hmm. so I probably was able to capture a little bit more of the conversation than people that don't speak the language, which obviously is a bit of a problem if the majority of people don't speak either of those languages in the audience. 
However, what I did like about it is that I felt that their stance, their the way they were speaking was so adolescent, mm. and the, the little mm. bit of the conversation that I could catch was very much them like complaining about their mums, and they were clearly oh. teenagers. Oh, okay. And their oh. kind of stance and the way they were talking and the way they were, um, and it wasn't reactive. You're right, but the mm. in, uh, inclination and in their voices, all of that, it made me think. To your point, Stace, that even though we aren't from the same countries and we don't speak the same languages, we're all adolescent girls at some That's point. That's right. Yeah. And we all complain about our moms mm. and we all have these similarities. How the well. hell would we have picked that up without your very basic German? Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. And I was thinking that too. If I didn't have that basic German, I wonder why. Why do you have thinking. basic German is a better question. <laughs> I used to live in Germany. Ah, oh, yes, oh, yes, yes. Cool. Yeah. I thought it was more of a deliberate loss in translation. Like maybe this is how foreign what you're saying. That's what I was thinking. Who oh, doesn't know you? would yes, feel watching you have this interaction because I thought whatever right. was going on mm. meant a lot to the people it was happening to mm. and it wasn't even like those two individuals would be interacting with each other I missed their interaction mm. that I missed during that scene I was like oh it was really fun when you were playing together but now you're playing it solo and, and I do also don't know what you're saying yeah. and I thought well is this what it feels like to feel left out like I've lived in a country where English was not the first language of the country and if you didn't happen to be around a tour guide these people didn't have to speak your language they spoke Spanish and that was the whole country's language so you do feel really out of sorts when you're like I don't get what's going on like I'm missing all kinds of cues social cues ideas what's what is happening unless someone's going to be kind enough to let me in and sometimes and also teenage girls can at times be a little exclusionary and I felt that like whatever this is I'm not allowed in so that's really interesting as well because I think you're right in that they weren't actually interacting with each other. No. Yeah. One was going Well, they were speaking two different languages. Other, yeah. And not to yeah. each other. Some people they understand both languages other, and yeah. they can do that. Like, I'll speak yeah. to you in English and you'll speak back to me in French and we'll be like, ha, 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 hilarious. No. Yeah. This was two yeah. siloed experiences, yeah. Yeah. experiences happening exactly. side by side. So I'm like, is this also what it feels like to kind of feel foreign in your own body? I don't know. But yeah. I felt for sure a loss in translation and you're not welcome in this space, which is how yeah. your parents feel about you when yeah. you're a teenage girl they're like yeah. what the f- happened to you yeah where did my sweet baby girl go oh you're like oh that bitch died <laughs> <laughs> killed her honestly she needed to go honestly <laughs> yeah i'm here now i'm here now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's actually also kind of interesting is that oftentimes parents don't get their baby girls back until they become parents themselves yes. and they yes. become back into the family because the, the need of the grandmothers and, and the you mums need are, her. you yes. need them again you need her you need desperately <laughs> mama please <laughs> tell me what to do the baby is making noise <laughs> mama I was wrong I was wrong at 25 I just was in law school and I just picked up the phone one day called my mother and said I'm sorry yeah for That's like sweet the things yeah. and she's like you're welcome I'm like how did you not just put me out on my ass like Dino the dog and, and like the Flintstones? Yeah. Like, how did you not just like, no, nah, bitch. And mm. she was like, you know, I didn't want bad things to come to you even though I kind of wanted to friggin' kill you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't want anyone else to get to do it, but I definitely <laughs> thought about it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's amazing. So, overall, general feelings? How do we feel? It gave me the feels. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. I wanted to feel something and I did. Yes. I thought it was very well done. Mm. Yeah. So I, I thought it was really fantastic too. I did feel like I got lost a few times mm-hmm. and I wish I actually had like the little, like a the program. Of, the program in front of me because I felt like I missed some really important cool things mm-hmm. at times mm-hmm. just because I wasn't fast enough or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Um, but yeah, it was cool. But, but there was also a lot going on. It, was it wasn't. On. It wasn't possible to see yeah. everything that was happening. And you're so mesmerized and like mystified by the paper flying across. Well, that's the yeah. 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 I was mesmerized by the fact that those bitches sprinted for an yes. hour. Yeah. Basically, yeah. like and the physicality. Yeah. Yes. My God, rolling around, running, Just, like yeah. jumping, screaming. Oh, yes. The count- What was the counting? The yes. And then coming out, and yes. then they're like. Do you guys have any feeling about? Remember how they were counting? Yes, yeah. I wonder like, what, what that meant. And wondering like how high could you count? Yes, it was. I wonder, but but again, it, it felt very adolescent, prepubescent girl mm. almost. Yeah. Like you're in that weird competition mode that all kids sort of do. Like I didn't know what else to think of it. And like the one thing that was like the recurrent theme throughout the whole thing, even when they were little, was how alarmed they would look behind them. Yes. Do you guys remember that from the time they were little to the end, they'll yes. be doing something and just look behind them, really alarmed. That's what little kids look like when they're wondering if their parents are watching. But that's also <laughs> what. We, but that's also what we feel like when we're kind of just like 
am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing at this point? Because mm. I feel that way sometimes too. It's like, hey, I'm 33 and am I where I'm supposed to be? Mm. And so it's almost like you're constant. And then you have social media just fucking tormenting you at all times of everyone else getting ahead. Ooh. And it's just like, am I where I'm supposed to be? So Ooh. I feel like that whole looking over the shoulder thing, that's what I was thinking There of. you go. I was just you like... You really felt the feels on that. Bro. Yeah, they felt the feels. That's I, I had a rough Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> and then they brought me to this deep-ass show. <laughs> Aleza <laughs> always makes you feel the feels. Damn, Aleza! Yeah. She's not putting you in a storage container. Dude. <laughs> she's yeah. not bringing you to Calpurnia. I feel like my favorite part of the storage container one was that like a whole bunch of people came to me like before the show and they're like... We hear you're claustrophobic. Yeah. So we're going to put you near the door if you need to get out three knocks and we'll come get you. It was yes. really funny. I was yes. like, thanks, guys. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. us to a play in a storage container. No, I'm super jealous that I was not part of the storage <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. I've heard so much about the storage container play. Kiwi jealousy. Kiwi jealousy. So jealousy. jealousy. So yeah, I think we all give it two very spirited thumbs, thumbs up. up. Yeah. Enjoy. And uh, yeah. keep your eyes and ears peeled for the next Fringe Festival. Um, there's a lot going on in the city. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thank well, you, Well, wait, wait. We have Summer Works coming up. So if you missed Fringe, okay. the yes. Summer Works Festival is coming up I've in August. I've never done Summer Works. So Summer Works is fantastic. Good to know. Thank you. Um, it's very Fringe-esque. Okay. But obviously with a different mandate, different group. But um, that's definitely something to look forward to if you missed Fringe. There's a whole Summer bunch of art works. in the city. So get your life together. That works. All right, well, stay tuned because we're coming back for part two uh, with Sex in the Six. teachers that I know personally Mm -hmm. are furious George and say this is what we have to test on this is stuff that was in on the books when we were in what grade eight Uh so that that's dating me but I don't care I that was a long damn time ago yeah this is old curricula this is this is pre-internet it's pre-internet same-sex marriage and there are a lot of young people all across our beautiful province who have been told for the last few years how wonderful, bright they are, how great they are as people, that they should just shine their light and be themselves. And this sends a message of, oh, wait, under the right circumstances maybe, but that just, did that just end for you? I sincerely hope they don't believe that. This is an important time for the young people who are affected by this, but as adults, well, all we young have a people are affected by this. Yes. I've heard um, that Absolutely this, this type yes. of education, because um, kids, if they don't, hear about it in school you cannot count on parents yeah. to teach your their children can a lot I, of people, you're a parent you're, and can i just ask you a question does that not seem ridiculous like that you can't rely that like, you have to be like well no it doesn't seem ridiculous at all it's a very touchy subject and a lot of people um but you have sex to have the baby for, for not everybody but for the most part 
No, but, no, I, I understand that part, but um, I mean, I grew up with so many mores that uh, talking to my child about these types of things, like I would hope that I would be able to, but I can't say that I would. And my squeamishness could either land my child with an STD, mm -hmm. could make them um, very uncomfortable in situations that they're not prepared for. Uh, it could make could force my child to learn about sex from porn. It could force my child to learn about sex from their peers, which people make stuff up. I've heard weird stories about people being told that you don't, you can't get pregnant if you drink a cap of bleach before you have sex. A cap of bleach? Or, I mean, Jesus no, no, these are children making yep. up stories oh. because they don't have education. No. Right? And people who, children who are educated about um, sex, A, they have um, lower risk of STDs mm -hmm. or STIs and um, pregnancy. They have um, more uh, consensual relationships. People are less likely to bully people or um, relate falsehoods in certain situations because they don't know better. And if you're totally ignorant, this is your first boyfriend and they're telling you one thing and mm -hmm. you don't know better, mm -hmm. right? And, I, and as I just said, if as a parent it's squeamish to talk to your kid, or you in, the, in those the, situations, or you they're also the going to be squeamish to talk to their parents. It's not like, yeah, well, my kid yeah. would totally tell me if they were with their boyfriend what they were doing and ask any questions they had. They probably, which is in most households, hopefully not mine, but you never know, um, embarrassed to talk about it. And yeah. my advice might be, yo, don't do it. Mm. Which isn't. Which is not, no, advice. which is like, okay, now I know not to go to you. That's what that says. Exactly. And mm -hmm. I really, I'm sad about the loss of this discussions around consent, mm. especially when once you worked with... And gender or, equality? And How is that? Young I'm sad about teaching. And pleasure. Pleasure was not introduced. So a lot yeah. of people don't even know it's supposed to feel good. It's just something you're and supposed to do get, with your and partner. And that's what get, like, people, the people who didn't love it, who I talked to about you guys, but they hadn't read it, mm. which yeah. I thought was very interesting. Most of the people who disagreed with the sex ed curriculum had not read it. Mm -hmm. They just saw they saw sex ed, and they saw trans, lesbian, yes. they saw different types of families and said, absolutely not. Yes. And one of the things that upset me the most was that um, child welfare advocates all over Ontario had fought for mm -hmm. so many years mm -hmm. for the youngest of possible children to be taught the correct words for their private parts. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's vagina and it's penis. Yes. And that was so important when it comes to children being touched inappropriately yes. and being able to articulate that to a responsible and, adult. And to make sure that it's good, solid evidence in case you get sexually abused and you understand at age four or age whatever it is, it was age five years old, that's what, what it was. consent was supposed to look like. Because when you attack a child at that age, that will, of course, stay with them for life. But if the kid knows how to advocate for self, you would leave them a lot less exposed to predators who are going to try to make sure that they stay quiet, try to threaten them. Like, there was a lot of good lost in not yeah. addressing this, but we're, you also have to address the fact that the, we may not call the majority of Ontarians, we had a lot of questions about um, the first-past-the-post approach to our politics, but this person, this party is in, and quite frankly, you wonder about the families who are wait or hoping that we had turned over a new leaf in this province. Yeah. Yes. It was just really unfortunate to go backwards. Like... To go back to 2016, cool. We went back to 1998. Mm -hmm. In the curriculum, I first of all, here's the first fucked up part. Number one, I but when you mentioned that, well, when the whole thing happened when Premier Ford <laughs> decided to get rid of the current curriculum, I searched furiously online for the 1998 curriculum because I wanted to know what it entailed. And I'm a very good internet searcher. Me and Google were tight. I couldn't find a it's damn thing. They haven't thing. uploaded it. It's couldn't just, find a thing. It's in paper so records. So even as a parent, you're so happy about it being reverted away from those heathen lesbians and gays, mm -hmm. but have no idea what the 1998 curriculum entails because it's nowhere to be found. You know, I heard it. And so that's what was really analogy. ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of times these 20-year-old um, sex ed classes will tell you about um, you know, your fallopian tubes and the ovaries and the sperm and the this and the I'm that. Right. And the analogy that I heard, I think it was actually like Dan Savage, who actually also has talked about this. We're on the map. Um, and uh, it was the analogy was telling somebody all about combustion engines. 
how it works, mm -hmm. how you have to put in the gas, mm -hmm. what happens, blah, 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 what lever does what, what the, how the brakes work, with the cooling system, all of that. And then giving them the keys to a car and yep. saying, now you can drive. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's, that's a pretty great, good analogy. That's an excellent mm -hmm. analogy. Yes. And it's crazy, too, because there's one mention in the curriculum, uh, the 1998 one, that mentions the World Wide Web in those exact <laughs> words. Oh, World Wide Web. Yes, Sasha is tuning in. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that when I was in high school back in 94, um, their form of teaching birth control was, or educating about birth control was, I think it was a movie called The Miracle of Life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They basically too. centered a camera in between a woman's legs yeah. while she was giving birth to a child just to scare the just to scare the girls and the guys from not having sex. So, that worked like gangbusters <laughs> on me. I will never forget that video for as long as I live. And I swear to this day, it's half the reason why I don't really care to have a baby. I was like, oh, <laughs> hell no. Are you <laughs> out of your mind? That's, that's, that's also the reason why I never wanted to have children in my 20s, up until my 30s. Thank you, Sasha. Movie. Thank yeah, you. It was a real trauma. It was horrible. Well, and imagine, as a young lady growing up with that, the work that you'll have to do to mm -hmm. be able to, A, enjoy your birth process, mm -hmm. relax exactly. during your birth process, um, and... Uh, like, how can you indoctrinate kids to, to literally be afraid of a miracle as well? So not just kids, like girls. Girls, yeah. The guys aren't going to really care about that. They're going to be like, like girls. that's for you. It's the girls. Yeah. That can I have sex with you now? Like, yeah. yeah. But if you jump up and down and drink some bleach, you'll be fine. Fear. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it builds a lot of fear into women, into girls, into young girls. <laughs> and it's an yeah. image that was like, kind of horrifying when it's something that's so beautiful yes. and that yes. you should cherish and really respect. Yes. Um, they use it sort of like a horror show and it was like, this is what's going to happen. And I also remember that the curriculum was really short. Mm -hmm. Like, it was lumped into phys ed. Yes. I don't know what it's like now, but it, I think it was maybe like a month of the whole the whole year. I think it's, it's still... I think it's still relatively the same thing. I think it's still, like, even the newer curriculum is still lumped into, like, a phys ed. It wasn't, like, a whole separate thing. It was part of your physical education. Yes. So, but the difference was this started from kindergarten. Mm -hmm. We, well, I went to private school, and so we learned about the mechanics, the combustible yep. engines, mm -hmm. starting in grade five. So that was the Ooh. first time we learned about anything. Mm -hmm. um, I started learning in grade nine. I was see? in a private Christian school. So we talked a lot about the Lord. Uh, and, but on the other hand, we did learn about, and I had a nurse for a mom, so I don't remember if I got the full birds and bees talk from her, which I know I did. I was six, my sister was 16, and she was like, both of you sit down. And I was like, what's happening? <laughs> so I, I distinctly recall that. And then I recall going to school at this very conservative, very tiny place, talking about periods by probably grade four with my very best friend and another little girl in front of us in our same grade overhearing our knowledgeable and informed conversation and bursting into tears. Mm. And then the two of us being called into the principal's office because that's not what good little girls talked about in line. But the difference was my best friend at the time had gotten her period already. So we weren't talking in the abstract. It was happening to her. Mm -hmm. And it was still this idea of, but you should really keep it to yourself and keep it down. Yeah. I love the fact this curriculum came in right at an early age. To me, it, it appeared, I'm not a parent nor a teacher, but as a citizen who pays for taxes that pay for this education, it seemed balanced. Yeah. It seemed age appropriate. Mm -hmm. uh, it seemed like even whether or not your parent is around and available to tell you, if they have the maturity to tell you or the know-how. Mm -hmm. Like there's a whole new program yeah. that a colleague of mine developed of teaching parents how to teach their kids to read. It's hard to teach yeah. a kid to read. Yeah. So it might be kind of hard yeah. to teach your kid about sex too. Like it's yeah. you might even be good at talking about it. I mean, great at doing it. But can you teach yeah. it to your and own this, kid? And this yeah. curriculum yeah. spoke to students, parents, teachers, and over like 80 organizations as well mm -hmm. that had to do with child welfare and child services. Mm -hmm. And so it's not like this was created in a vacuum. Not at all. This was created in consultation with so many yes. different people. Yes. And so for a foolish election platform to be like, hey, pro-lifers, hey, ho uh, homophobics, I'm going to get rid of this for you, just vote for me kind of thing is just 
the most ridiculous thing is it, I've or ever is it seen more in my terrifying life. Terrifying to you that it worked. Yeah, that's yeah. I think friend. that's what maybe underneath what you're saying about the the party leadership, sure, but people had to pick that, and they did. Listen, downtown tried to save you guys. Just saying. <laughs> Look at the voter map. Something people nowadays actually read up on the different platforms and what they really need. I think. I think it's. It's become a cool thing to vote, and now people just sort of look at the, the titles of what's being offered, but they don't get in depth. So they don't really know what they're voting for as much as they're voting, you know what I mean? I find it insane that people would rather vote to scrap the um, sex ed curriculum than vote for free childcare and free tuition for university. Yeah. What's more important to you? There were a lot of young people canvassing with. Yeah, headline. Both with, with the at least with a few of the parties, and those young people had a have not had have a vested interest in those things happening. I knew people who were making new family arrangements because they were like, if I have if we can afford our childcare, we can, we can have another two kid. kids. Yeah. Oh my god, we can actually my kid can have a sibling, and now that's Gone. not happening. So there are beyond just the sexual education criteria. There was a lot of support for families. Uh, that was on its way, and I, I, I don't know, I can't say, none of us can, what the future is going to hold, but you do hope and pray that families don't get left behind here. This was a lot of help for a lot of parents, yeah. and even the parents, I find, maybe because I've worked with a lot of kids, or I've met kids in really adult-like environments because of the nature of the work I do, a lot of parents miss the mark on when to talk to the kid mm. about the thing. They yeah. think, oh, my kid's 14. They don't care about those things. You don't know your 14-year-old. You think you know them. But you don't know what they're hearing, experiencing, if they're super cute, so all the other kids like them. You don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. So you hope to know. You hope your kid opens up to you. But you might go through some years where they go around the dark side of the moon. And you're hoping that somebody somewhere can get through to them or force them to write a test yeah. that says, do you understand these basic principles? Somebody who's informed, yes. not their foolish-ass friends. Well, you, no, th- yes. in, in this particular situation, their friends would also be informed. Yes. Exactly. Actually, you'd actually have teenagers who knew something about sex. Well, yeah. And, yeah. And as a group. Yes. As a group, we all know Taught about gender equality. As a group, we all know that yes. consent is important. And, and necessary, it, yes. Uh, totally. No, you can also reinforce that socially. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like teaching, not teaching girls not to dress skimpy, but teaching boys not to rape. Yes. Basically. Yes. I, think, I think the other thing is, is that there are different conversations that need to be had, you know, from the age of, and I'm kind of making this up, I don't have children, but five all the way through to yes. 21. Yeah. Yes. I'm making that Let's up. say 41, because I'm not four, there yet. Exactly. <laughs> but I have some questions. I have a lot of questions about <laughs> But that's a lot of years. As if you're relying on just parents doing this, yes. for them to figure out it every year, what should I be talking to my child Ages about? Ages and stages, yes. And, and, and it's also repetition too, right? Like one conversation a year, yes. probably it's not going to really go in. But if you're having one conversation and your school is having another yeah. conversation and then and your, your peers, peers are having informed conversations. And then you start to build that knowledge yeah. collectively. Yes. You start talking to each other and you're talking yeah. from an... Knowledge is power. Once you have young people speaking from an informed place, it's interesting where their minds will go. Because now they're armed with the truth, and they know that, so they get to form different opinions, and they can use it like a tool. That's what your mind is. Yeah, then when they... I mean, it's just because you have a good um, basis, you're informed, you're this, you're that, uh, doesn't preclude heartbreak, awkward experiences, yada, yada, yada. You need that. But um, at least a lot of the stuff... Yes. Um, unwanted pregnancies, Date rape. Um, sexually transmitted diseases, um, consensual and relations, consensual relations, or uh, even understanding what uh, sexual identity coming that. into yourself, bullying, masturbation, and knowing your own body. Hello Ew. for the girls. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Do you know how long it took me to figure that out? Do you have how embarrassingly long it took me to figure? that one out it was yeah, like yeah. that's for boys and you just why would you touch it down there just keep her clean and keep it moving and you just just left her alone you're just like you good all right me too let's keep it let's keep rolling period's coming i had my own apartment like yeah yes <laughs> storms are brewing that's all you used to, that's all you used to know about her and now you realize she's this beautiful flower she's a secret garden she's full yes. of surprises she's a saucy thing <laughs> and she can push out a baby so you start yeah. to appreciate her differently Exactly. That's knowledge is power. It took it took too long. I wish I had what the curriculum had said. And the former minister of education knew her shit. She did. She yeah. knew her stuff. And yeah. obviously, we're not going to get too much into it. But the stories I'm hearing brewing is that the conservative government's now saying, 
Well, we're not totally going back to the 98 curriculum. Yes. We're just kind of changing things. Bitch, it is August. Like, they school didn't... starts in a month. If you remember, he wasn't the leader of the party until March. What plan could you have had? What on earth plan? <laughs> if yeah. you get together. Yes. And it, like, that's like rolling the dice and throwing it in. That's why the and teachers the, are like, yeah, whatever, The dude. one encouraging thing that I've yes. read is that a lot of teachers are like, fuck that guy. I am teaching what I'm supposed to be teaching that I know is good for my students. That would be amazing. That's what I was wondering if teachers were going to be doing, if yes. that was the kind of vibe that was going around. That's and I think that even, even if um, the curriculum is not allowed to be taught, that possibly the younger teachers or the ones that are really invested in their students will take the initiative to create like after school programs or maybe just groups like to discuss an open door policy to come and talk to them about it. Something to that effect. So and teachers are change they're change makers and they want to see their students excel and a lot of them really liked what was happening and I think you also have to tread lightly. This is your job, there are certain standards and now you're gonna have a real battle of the of wills between the different sides of parents. Like totally. you had one really big movement heading one way and now you've got an equally strong swept the province majority government movement heading in a very different way but it'll be interesting to see how that lands on the ground come september hell even more interesting come next june yeah Mm. that's what i really want to hear from parents and teachers so what you do (laughs) yes or how to go and for those of you who stayed back in 1998 exactly and then the kids who didn't are going to be light years ahead and then look at the statistics and see what they're saying as well See if it's had an effect on STI rates. See if our teen pregnancy rate, that's been the mm. lowest it's ever been, has gone back up. See what happens. Do you know what's and crazy? And it sucks because we're using children as friggin' guinea pigs. As, yes. Always. But what's crazy is, I think it was 18 years after Roe v. Wade in America, there were less instances of youth crime, unwanted pregnancy, undereducated youth because girls were then allowed to get abortions in America. And it was like, oh, holy sugar, you forget They're about They're trying that. to roll so, that back to... Oh yeah, America's gone crazy. No, Sorry, girl. here in Ontario... Good luck. No, that's not happening. Good luck. Basically, Forge trying to put a legislation in place where girls 12 and under have to get parental consent for an abortion. If you now, have, if, you're if you are pregnant at the age of 12, yes. the CAS is involved and you, there's, there's a lot of problems anyway. In all, but in all likelihood, if you're pregnant at 12, you shouldn't be getting parental consent because something might have happened. And the other thing is that, that you that, should like, if not you, if be you're pregnant. To, if you're getting the parents to weigh in here, are you listening to the voice of the child? Exactly. Are you listening to what she is telling you? If she's 10 and pregnant, you have a that's a huge problem. That's a child. Well, that I'm just trying to think if there's yeah. an 11-year-old yes. girl yes. who is pregnant. All signs point to me that that wasn't consensual. Do you know what? No, it's a crime. You never know. Yeah. Kids will surprise you. I had, When I came out of private school, I jumped into a public junior high school. So I hit public school at an interesting time. And I didn't know public school children. I didn't know if you knew any. I maybe knew three. So it was a real cultural shift for me to be in a space where it is in one instance, I'm in a school full of people where I know everybody and maybe people have crushes on each other, but we're still little kids. And then I jumped to a school where there were blowjobs happening in the public, in the underground parking spaces of the apartment complex next door. So I went like 180. So I love that people think that young girls don't have consensual sex. Wake the fuck up. Of course they do. It's just, do you understand what, why that yeah, girl is so mature at that age? What happened there? And maybe you should just talk to her and find out. And that's what this curriculum was going to open up, was dialogue with children about something that can be very dangerous and a lot of silencing and oppression, whether she wanted it or not. Yeah. I, yes. I, don't, I, I don't think if we're talking about people under 12 that uh, you can't consent. Like, I, don't I hear you, but you would be surprised the 11 and 12-year-olds who are having sex with each other. It wasn't that they were having sex with an adult. These were children having sex with one another. And they had been doing so since fifth grade. This is what I mean about parents missing the ball. I know you don't want to think so, but do you know 11-year-olds? Are you an Uh 11-year-old? When's the last time you hung out with a bunch of 11-year-olds? Do I like the idea of an 11-year-old having sex? Absolutely Absolutely not. not. That's terrifying. But is it happening? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. I knew 12-year-olds in seventh grade who had condoms in their pockets at all times. 
she better wake up. And that was in that was in 1998. <laughs> that was 1998. Are you kidding me? That was happening. That was real. And I walked in from a, an environment where nobody would have ever said the word condom. We couldn't watch Aladdin because it had a genie. Like we were, <laughs> we were sheltered little children. We were. Sh- my my sister advocated on my behalf. Mom and Dad, if you don't get her out of here, she's going to be too blindsided by the world. She's too coddled in here. She doesn't know what's going on. She grew up in the city. She's a tougher cat. <laughs> so she could see like, my naivete. I, I had, well, you were lucky to be naive because um, a lot of times people in those types of environments yeah. end up experimenting mm. um, with no knowledge whatsoever. Yeah. And in the type of environment where you can't watch Aladdin because there's a genie, you certainly can't go to your parents. You certainly can't go to your teachers. And your peers don't know any better. They're going to go to you and be like, hey, mm-hmm. what do you think about Lola? La? I don't know. It sounds great. Yes. Yeah. Like, you don't Honestly. know. And um, and so there, there's a lot worse. Uh, well, not worse, but, I mean, it, it happens in those environments, too. And, um, and, and it's quite pervasive. Yeah. It's terrifying. So, like, needless to say... Children are there for eight to nine hours a day. Yes. They spend more time at school than they spend at home because when they're at home, they have five hours before they have to go to sleep. And so it is so important that school equips them with the tools that they need to survive in this society. This is not 1998. Mm -hmm. It's not even 2008. It's barely even 2018. I feel like we're in the future. Yes. There's a lot of information and a lot of... um, a lot of Imagery. wrong information, too. The internet's not vetted. You could put anything you want on the internet. And don't put anything yeah. past kids. They're sharp. And yeah. they're paying attention to us as well. They're very, they're very, we're all observational. They're watching and learning. And the, the curriculum for sex ed's been pretty crap for a long time. Yeah. We made it by some miracle. We made it out. We were that 1998. Degra- Degrassi, thank you, Drake. Yes. Back when you were <laughs> and on. Friends. The, uh, and friends, great cast, great shows. In my junior high school, our gym teachers were husband and wife. Uh, so it was an interesting dynamic because it was like, well, that's interesting. You are together. And at one point, you know, somebody was being facetious and asked them, like, how do you know if she's enjoying it, sir? And this man put his hands on his wife in front of a room full of seventh graders. Things went <laughs> down. And again, blind, like little me, like, what am I seeing, Lord? Like, I couldn't, I just couldn't understand it. But it was important that we had each other to rely on, and we got to watch Degrassi, and Degrassi taught me a lot. Yeah, thank you, Drake. Totally, taught me a lot. So yeah, we made it. You have to learn about sex from Degrassi. Listen, that was good good writing, and actors who got it, and kids had to see kids. No, no, no. Yes, I just wish that there. I agree with you. I do, and I and I knew that then. I knew that watching him do that because he had no curriculum to guide him. He was just telling you whatever he thought he should. Yeah. Hey, Doug, if you don't tell the teachers what to say, some of them will just say anything. Exactly. And this is sex ed. It's too dangerous. It's too dangerous. So he just grabbed up his wife, and she turned beet red in front of all of, uh, in front of all of us. That's crazy. Welcome to 1998. Hope you're ready for that, because I don't think you are. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Well, we're, we're uh, unimpressed. I'm not happy, our... Okay, the, the next Sex in the Six is, is going to be about something fun. Yeah. <laughs> we know that sex is fun. We're not crazy. No. Honestly. Um, Jesus, the gamut, man. Like, dude. me too. Venereal disease. Sex ed. Like, I went down some kind of weird Freudian path. My God. Yes. <laughs> I go, so you're fucking your parents and you don't know it. Like, right. It's okay. It's yes. a disaster. Get down to recommendations, shall we? Oh, yes. 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 Uh, Okay, oh, recommendations, excited. recommendations. I'm excited. Yeah. Does does anyone would like anyone like to start? Okay, so if I can make if I can go first, yes, yes. absolutely. So I've got a, a a fun one. If you haven't done so already, and you may not be interested at all, but my suggestion is go on YouTube and start looking up some of your favorite fashion lines. The runways this year have changed the game. They're having purses come down by drone. They are having dance performances. We have cameos happening. There are, there are actresses. I don't know what's going on with Runway, but it's hot to death. I started a whole YouTube channel about it, and I've just been really borrowing really cool videos from... There's another YouTuber. I think it's called Fashion File. I made my own fa- I made my own fashion television. I missed it so much. I just... <laughs> awesome. And I was like, well, tell me what to do. How do we find it on YouTube? I'm not sure. I just saved it on my own profile, so I don't know how to share. I'm such a granny. <laughs> 
I don't know how to share. Okay, so I'll have to figure out how to do that. So I don't know what it is. I will figure out how to do that and I will share that because I have just been ingesting fashion for weeks now. Honestly. Amazing. So my recommendation is I hope this podcast goes up soon so that it's on time, Mm. but it is the Canadian Caribbean Christmas, aka Caravan Attacks! So, um, on August 4th, that is the grand parade for the Peaks Toronto Caribbean Carnival, which will affectionately always be known as Caravana to the community. It's an amazing festival. It unfortunately, through very bad press over a lot of years, has gotten itself a bad reputation. It's one of those things where it's a multi-million dollar festival. There's so many different people, so many things happening. It's 51 years old. Mm -hmm. Of course, in 51 years, you're going to have a couple of mishaps, but unfortunately, they've used it to label the whole festival, but it's not like that. Mm -hmm. So don't escape to the cottage for Civic Holiday Weekend. Stay in the city. There are amazing things happening. There's so many culture, cultural things and costumes and food, music, people, all the things, and everything in between. He, she, Z, all of them. All of them. Definitely try to check out Caravana and all of its festivities. All you got to do is hop on to my girl and yours Google and type in Peaks Toronto Caribbean Carnival and it will show you a whole bunch of amazing official and unofficial events that you can participate in. So join the culture. It's for everyone. And feel no shame in attending the parade as a spectator. I will be taking my 70-year-old father and we're going to chill out and watch the hotness happen. Amazing. All right. I have a record. Yes, yes, Sasha. Give us your recommendation. I've been doing my research and seeing what's going on, but um, there's actually a um, a presentation going on or like a discussion going on this weekend. And if you guys ever have Instagram on, there's a girl named I Love Lola. She's um from Toronto, but she's actually made it quite large in the U.S. And um, she is having a conference called Girl Connected. And it's basically just um, highlighting different uh, female, somewhat famous, but more so successful females, and just talking about how you need to make it in this corporate world or in just this world in general, especially with, um, you know, it's still being a man's world in a lot of cases where a lot of like higher jobs and better pay um, isn't really reflecting equality. Like, so they're just talking about that and they're just highlighting different um, people who have been successful in this, different females, and having a panel discussion and taking questions and whatnot. So that's happening in Toronto. When you buy your ticket, they'll disclose the location. So I can't actually tell you where it's happening, but it's called Girls Connected. Thank you. Great. Okay, well, that brings us to the end of Club of Club Culture. Culture. We'll see you next month. Ta-ta. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.